Pelotero Pickle, episode 98. Let me give you a little rundown on what's been going on in the Pelotero world. We're really deep into our software development on some very exciting tools. We've got some automated video analysis, some, some camera-based vertical jump testing and range of motion testing, some really cool stuff. We're so close and can't wait to get this out to people. Uh, been doing some traveling, was out in Seattle, got to meet with some pretty high-profile softball programs last week, which was great. And it's, it's always fun doing that and having conversations. And number one, just learning about the programs and things that they're working on and things they need help with. And then being able to showcase what we're building and ways that we can help is really, really fun. Uh, some really good topics on today's show. Chris and I had a very lively pre-show going over the topics before we got started. Probably should have hit record a lot sooner today, but uh, some really good topics talking about Nolan Arenado. And the year that he's having, talk about O'Neill Cruz and just what he means kind of to the game. And then uh, some other topics like pool holes, judges season, and uh, Paul Goldschmidt hunting triple triple crown down. So uh, a lot of really good topics. We're getting the, the playoff picture starting to shape up. College sports, college teams are back. Uh, a lot of good stuff happening in the industry and, and just energy around baseball and softball right now. So Really good stuff, and I think you're gonna like the show. Chris Chris swears a lot, which if he's swearing, that means he's he's fired up. So you're gonna like this one. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 98. We are getting into it today, Chris. We had a really good pre-show. Before we get into topics, a reminder, email us, pickle at pelotero.com. Or tweet us at Pelotero Pickle. We love getting your topics. We love talking about things that you're interested in. So send us your ideas, concepts, questions, whatever. We'll talk about it. Chris, how are you doing today? High confidence over here. Basement's redone. Podcast studio set up in both fronts. We're like uh, we're, we're like upgrading. Yang right now. You're super light. I'm super dark with some light in the front. Yeah, I have three lights on right now. I've, I have a, a ring light in front of me. I got two side lights over here. Just trying to upgrade our upgrade our production value. I'm trying to bit. figure out is it is it narcissistic to have your jersey right above your head with your name tag from your locker, or is it just cool? Ain't bragging if you done it is what I was always taught. I I, I tried to offset it because I thought about multiple personal jerseys. You can't have more than one of your own jersey, right? You got to put other people's stuff next to you it. You do like the home away, the home alternates, like. Well, I realized I have the Canada Day jersey and the the Veterans Day jersey. So I and they're both kind of cool. One was white with red, and the other one's white with camo. I would my and, rule for that would be: What do you feel when you look at those jerseys, and do you want to feel that more consistently? Yeah, I think but that's the, pretty simple. This one, the re, even the sleeve, and this is by the way self done. I did this by myself. The sleeve, the postseason sleeve, I had to get it in there. I even covered the O up on call. I'm just call a belt on that jersey. Worth it. I think so. And I got a I got a Gronk jersey down here. I got to figure out the right spot for that. When are we going to get you a signed Tom Brady jersey? Is that Is that like later in life? You don't want to peak too early? I, I need to meet Tom at a time when he's ready to have a new best friend. Does that make sense? Like you think yeah. that happens? <laughs> uh, do you think do I think that you're going to be best friends with Tom Brady? Well, at least un- unlikely. I mean, no, maybe not number, not one A. Like, You're too much of a fanboy. 
Because uh. he's gonna be like, he's gonna be like, oh, let's buy a boat, and you're gonna be like, oh, well, the check-ins and the savings, and the, you're gonna do the whole Kevin Hart skit. It's not gonna work. Yeah. It's like I'll ride on your boat if you want. I'll clean it. No. We'll 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 figure that out. We'll, okay. It's gonna it's gonna happen at some point. Yeah. Uh, you ready to jump into topics? Yeah. I think that's a great this holiday might... weekend of cleaning by myself. Yeah, we're w- working on Labor Day because you should because it's Labor Day, I guess. It's the day uh, of labor. I think I think this is gonna be a lively episode. Just okay. going off pre-show. Ready to go. So, first topic. Nolan Arenado's having a career year. Uh, it's being very well documented by Driveline, so it's Weird. there's a lot of a lot of stuff. So I was actually out at Driveline last weekend. All right, I wasn't at. I popped into Driveline, said hello, um, Max. Thank you for the the tour. It was awesome. So um, Driveline, obviously, they have their their big three that they really promote, and they're really they're really hyping up bat speed improvement, driving. Nolan's increase in performance. So he's got a 163 weighted runs created plus. He's added two miles per hour bat speed, whatever that means. Because, uh, like, realistically, is that happening in game every swing, or, or does he just getting more a swings off? It's, I think, a legitimate question. Like, is his bat speed higher if he's fooled? Does it matter? Like ground balls, is his bat speed bat speed higher? Uh, they're going to make the argument that miss hits go further and do more damage when you have higher bat speed. Okay, I'll buy it. Um, the part in this thread that was linked in our show notes that was really cool to me was they did the thing called the money barrel script where they they took his previous season and said, all right, if your bat speed was higher, what would your stats be? And I think that's a pretty cool way of thinking about stuff. I'm pretty intrigued by that line of thinking. Um, but we're going to take a little bit of a different angle. Producer Patrick put up a great video on Instagram showing a recent 4-for-4 game. And my takeaway is that Nolan Arenado has made the decision that he wants to be better. He did the tour of tech this offseason. He went to Driveline. He went to OnBaseU, TPI. He went to the Baseball Performance Lab down at uh, Marucci's in Baton Rouge. He uh, he turned every stone, so to speak. He went digging to drive performance. And I'm going to let you take it from here because I have more comments, but I know you have stuff you want to say. In the history of baseball, I don't think there's ever been a hitter that said, man, I wish I swung slower, right? It's just not a thing. You don't, you don't wake up and go, everybody wants more bat speed. The argument is, can I create control bat speed? For hundreds of years, people have been doing resistance training in one form or another to figure out what the route they need to take to gain more bat speed. But ultimately, every hitter that's ever played the game at a high level will tell you this. If you're not confident when you step into a batter's box, you could go up there with a rocket launcher and it won't matter. You could go up there with the fastest swing on the planet and it won't matter. To your point, you make decisions to want to be good every day. And it starts with the way you train in the off season because then you go into spring training and you feel really prepared. And if your body holds up different, then it, you just have these experiences, right? And it's really, really difficult to put them to attach them to one thing that you did, whether it's 
oh, you gained an extra 10 pounds or you, you, you added this whatever regimen in the offseason. There, there are a lot of non-linear correlations, and the problem is everybody wants to make it linear. Like, this, on the surface, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, it, this is not weightlifting. It's not, it's, it's not just, hey, move more weight and you're better. Like, it's just not that game. Uh, uh, a guy that, that lifts in the offseason, he says, or that lifts for a living, he wants to increase his bench by 25 pounds, right? The, 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 the 315, the third plate on the bench. That doesn't change how you're going to compete against a pitcher. Case in point, there's plenty of guys that hit the ball really, really hard in the big leagues that aren't having great years, right? And everything that defines what Arenado's doing is defined by the at-bat he had the other night against against Iglesias. Patrick highlighted it in our in our social media. I did a post. I did a, a voiceover video about it. Those are the at-bats that make seasons. Those are the at-bats that make you hit 300. Those are the at-bats that drive in the extra grimy runs with two outs. And it becomes this cycle of you just build and build and build, and the confidence continues to build. And sure, you can say that the, the bat speed thing starts it or that the, the, the different training starts it, but he left no stone unturned. That's the whole point. He's, he said, fuck it, I want to be really good. And I'm going to do everything I can to be really good. The more information you gain, the more insight you gain, the more clarity you have, the more clarity you have every time you get in the box, the better decisions you make, i.e. success. And I I don't think we should ignore that Arenado has been a pretty good hitter throughout his career. He had two you think? less than good years. So in 2020, COVID year, it's a wash for everybody. The next year, first year in a new ball in a new ballpark, he still went 34 with the 105. He hit 255, um, which, which annoyed him from a, clearly. From a yeah, from a pure batting average standpoint, it's not good. Um, but if you look at like his K rates, he's done he's cut down the strikeouts um, pretty considerably from a full season standpoint. This year, he's very low with his strikeouts. Uh, Batting average on balls and play is a little higher than his career, but nothing significant there. It it comes back to me like the the video that Patrick put up and uh, the, the the best swing of the day in the four four, hitting a ball out of the catcher's mitt with two strikes, surviving that at bat, and then earning a mistake l- later. To me, that embodies the hitter from a like who are you standpoint. Like who do you want to be? What is your purpose when you step into the field every day that it answers that question for me and then everything else he's doing is just uh, a representation of that like him traveling all over and doing bad speed stuff there's stuff that I've, I've had some I'll say privileged conversations that I'm not going to share here because they're private he's doing some pretty incredible stuff from a gamesmanship standpoint from a game planning standpoint like he's putting himself in position to be successful because he decided he wanted to be successful. And he's made phone calls and he's traveled places and he's having conversations that are shaping his performance. And to me, that's incredible. And I'm happy for him, he's having a great year. And I'm happy for everybody involved that are contributing to that because it's it's good for the game. It's not a bad thing. Um, I think the bad speed thing gets oversold. There's, you know, for every one player that thinks that, that increases their bad speed and they have better performance, there's probably 10 that 
just keep, think swinging hard and fast is the answer, and then they don't they don't turn the corner to like being a better hitter. They just have a faster swing, and maybe they're going to run into a ball and hit it further than they usually do. But if it doesn't change their approach, like some of the stuff that we're tracking now with with timing and with accuracy that is new, I can't wait to do his season and do a breakdown of how he's shifted and like what is actually driving the performance from an approach standpoint, from a process standpoint. I went I went and saw our, our friend Rich Gedman the other day. I was in at the Worcester Red Sox. Uh, I was inside for cage work and stuff. And I said, I asked Ged specifically, I said, did you see Nolan Arnauto's Nolan at bat against Iglesias? Now, mind you, he could have cashed it in, right? He's three for three at that point. Like, tasting yourself, like, you already got your third one. Very similar to my story on my first four-hit game in the big leagues. You can cash it in. Like, they were ahead, I think, by one. Maybe they were down. It doesn't even matter because you got three already, and you're feeling yourself. St. Louis primed to win the division. Sure, the game's important. September games matter. You're watching a whole different vibe in New York right now. Brandon Nimmo making ridiculous catches. So, like, playing meaningful games in August and September is awesome, and it should take you to another level. I said to Rich, I said, you see Arnado's at bat. He goes, oh, I don't need to. He goes, that guy's a, and he used a word that I probably can't even use. I can use the other word, but I can't use that one. And He's a bad it was, man. <laughs> yeah, he, that, that dude's a bad. And, and, you know, he's sitting there, and, and just to give you context on the, the, the perception of Nolan Arnado, like that guy's a really hard out. And, and now you put that, the confident version of that guy in the box, the swing that he took to follow that ball off. And let's be clear, he on a 1-1 pitch, he got hosed on the 0-0 pitch on the slider, which was a ball. And he kind of looked funky at the umpire, and he was like, that wasn't a strike. And he was right. And then uh, he got to 1-1. He was picking up the slider really well, right? He was picking up the slider well. He got to 1-1, and he threw him a heater off the plate by an inch, and he took like a swing. And it just for everybody that can't see us, that's a, a decelerating barrel. Oh my God, I shouldn't swing, but I'm swinging, swing. Let me try to swing and miss. And he got to one, two. And then he fought the fastball off and literally hit it sideways. Stuck his nose on it, hit it over the first base dugout, almost killed somebody, hair lipped someone. The next pitch, he was late again to another heater. That's hitting because he knew he was going to have trouble seeing the changeup. So he was defending against the changeup. The slider he was seeing, he was defending the changeup. Got himself another heater, followed that one off, and was closer because his eyes got him there. I've been talking about this a ton lately. If a guy goes in two pitches in a row and then goes there a third time, triples up, that third time you're going to be a little bit closer and a little bit closer because your eyes are making adjustments for you. Because as Rich Gedman always says, you hit with your eyes. And then he bought himself a pitch, put it in play, and something good happened. It's it's the the conversation of hitting has to evolve beyond metrics, like on social media, and I, a lot of our efforts are going to be to that specific thing because I think we're going to have the ability from a data standpoint and from an experience and relationship standpoint to have those conversations in in new ways, which I'm very excited about. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the stuff that matters. His, his bat speed didn't save him when he's when he's protecting 
when he has the knowledge to protect the changeup, when he's fighting for his life and he's actually executing to get the bat to the ball on emergency panic swings that he's trying to help his team win. What was the score in the game at that point? One-run game. I think they're ahead by one. So it matters. Like moments that matter, he's finding ways to get some percentage of the wood of his bat on the ball when he needs to. And let's be clear, he was protecting against the changeup, and then after the two heaters, he got the changeup and was still early and fouled it off. Like he still was like out front, dribbled it foul before he got the two strike, the two two heater. That because he, he there was a slider there in the mix after the two foul balls, whether it was before or after the changeup that he just took, like casually took, because he clearly was not having trouble with the slider. And this goes to the interpersonal, the guys that you see well, the guys that you don't, the guys that have plus pitches. Iglesias is a big league closer, right? Like that means he has. A put away pitch, a shutdown pitch, a fuck you pitch, and because of that, you you have to just grind through those at bats. It's not like you're facing some average righty that like is 91 with sink and a little cutter slider or whatever, and you pick everything up. Well, I was talking about pitchers that that you just some guys you just see well, even if they're good, that you just pick everything up right out of their hand, and that that's different for different cats and. This goes right in line with the conversation that that Justin Turner was having on the podcast that people were like airing him out for calling out the shortstop the Futures game. Like, what are we doing? That's not what he was saying. Like, what? why are we trying to call this guy out? Like, the point he's trying to make is like, we're highlighting all the things that don't, don't lead to production, right? And, and we're gonna drift into another topic here. I know that. I, I heard a quote from an inside source that sits in a clubhouse every night that I loved. And it went to the to the to the tune of this. I can't quote it verbatim. When did you stop having to be a productive player to play in the big leagues? Like when did you stop having to be a productive like God forbid we actually make guys produce consistently to get to the big leagues and stay in the big leagues? It, the game is not about glorifying a metric or glorifying a number being able to do something really well one time it's not it's just not what it is like in a yeah if we put everybody in a vacuum in the history of sports and said okay the most talented guys just just put the ball on the tee whatever and by the way you'd still find competitive advantages on the guys that knew how to how to dog you know it's just it's the 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 argument for that is that you know, we have to get people's attention. We have to capture the youth audience. They don't have the attention span for it. So they're turning the game into sprints. So if you're running a marathon and on like mile 12, you decide to run a really good hundred, like your, your race is not going to go well. <laughs> it's just going to be really, you're going to cause yourself a lot of pain. So the, I think the, the mark that's being missed is we're not educating consumers about the game. And creating lifelong fans and actually teaching the details and maybe maybe the game's not for everybody that's not a bad thing but to make people understand the game and to appreciate Arenado fighting that pitch off like that that's the thing that I think what we believe should be celebrated the most we should be putting that on a pedestal saying look at this look at this at bat look at this moment celebrate this moment uh 
but instead it's O'Neill Cruz hitting a ball 122 despite hitting 200. Or the guy throwing the ball 100 miles an hour across the infield on a routine play because he's trying to light up the radar gun because it's a futures game. But then MLB just retweeting it, retweeting it, and social media, retweet, retweet, repost, like, comment, like. And it's sending, like, all the dopamine's going in the wrong places. It, it, and that, that's, like, a really dangerous thing to do to your game. It, it, it just is. It, and it's not even, it's almost not even on purpose, right? Because when cool stuff happens, everybody wants to see it. It's just that the, the mechanics of how we deliver that to people is so different. And I said this a few weeks ago. When you look at when we were growing up, like we had one highlight source, right? It was if you watch ESPN in the morning, and you've talked about this at length, you, you used to wake up and watch SportsCenter. Four, yeah, <laughs> if you stayed home from school sick or if it was a snow day, you watch the same SportsCenter episode like four hours in a row, right? And that was the only way to consume media, really. Like, unless you were well, sitting that, there watching that in games. box scores. I remember yeah. the home run the home run chase when McGuire hit 70, Sosa hit 66. Every day going to get the newspaper, like running yeah. out. I, I want to know what happened. And I actually saw a tweet the other day. A mom was writing down the results of a game so that the son could wake up in the morning and have, like, a big poster, and it was, like, done in a very fun way. My... My my the narcissist or not the narcissist the uh, contrarian in me was like just read the box score you get the same <laughs> just read the play by play but it was cool that there like there was a fan engagement it's an active a young engagement. kid yeah a young kid was excited about the game of baseball and it was like a walk off and the mom wrote like big capital letters with exclamation points walk off home run and it seemed like a really fun thing between a mom and the son about baseball which was. I think awesome. Uh, it's just there's there's so much focus on highlights, and if you watch the Little League World Series at all this year, it was all bat flips. It was guys cele- celebrating things in ways that were very, which make yeah, baseball can be fun, but it's boring. But at, Let's be clear. At a certain point, at a certain point, it stops being baseball and it starts becoming like this act it's not the core it's it's just not the core of the game the core of the game is to get 27 outs and try to have more points on the board than the other team however you gotta get those points figure it out and it's a chess match every day it's it, it, talent doesn't reign supreme it never has it never will it's just like you can take the most talented team the most projectable team and it very rarely wins unless the guys that are projecting are really grimy, scrappy players. And let's just call a spade a spade. The Los Angeles Dodgers spend the most money, but they also go get baseball players. And they're, the core of their, their their nucleus of players is baseball players that are talented. Uh, it's just, it's sad that, you know, and it goes hand in hand with the dialogue that, like, we don't, like, it's the same thing as not, rewarding batting average like it's an art dude it's it's a craft it's a discipline and somebody used the term discipline the other day and it was it was incredible to me because yeah you need some talent don't get me wrong but at what point does the like what point does it like what is enough talent and then how do you apply that talent to real in-game situations i see kids well, all the time that uh, can hit the if ball you get, really hard if you're, 
If your if your video game score is talent 100 and then application of talent zero, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you're not going to get anything out of it if you, you know, if you have zero pitch recognition, if you have no approach, if you, you basically need the pitcher to make a mistake for you to get a hit if you have no approach. So we'll get into that in a moment. Juan Soto making plate discipline fun. We had our first 1 million view. It's at 1.1 right now. TikTok video extracted from Pelotero Pickle. We're talking about Juan Soto and how he was looking up in the stands after his homers and Man, Juan Soto, <coughs> he's getting a lot of hate on social media for not being a good player. There's a, a bunch of people arguing that he's overrated. This dude is a generational talent, has potential to go down as one of the greatest hitters of all time if he if he maintains what he's currently doing. You did a big breakdown on, his, on chase rates across Major League Baseball. I watched uh, hundreds of his at-bats a couple weeks ago. Something as simple as, I forget if I said this, when he's early, he doesn't pull the ball. Like if it's not, I'm not saying like if the pitch is inside and he wants to clear it out, he clears it out. But when he's fooled and he's early, he very rarely pulls the ball. And something like that, there's a combination of mechanics, there's a combination of, of how the bat path is happening. And there's also like, we'll call it discipline of not letting the barrel turn too early. And... It's really fun, and we're going to be able to start to measure back control, or we've started measuring back control in, in new ways. He's just crazy, and it's it's amazing to me that anybody that's a baseball fan could say he's overrated. Objective A, objective A for any hitter ever, get the barrel through the baseball, through the baseball as much as possible. And it was a term that probably, as a young kid, I didn't really understand. I used to hear people say it all the time. But, you know, the, the, the old rollover got coined as a phrase, I don't know how long ago. What is a, ro- what is a rollover? What is the core foundation? Why, did the, why does the rollover happen? And, and that's like getting into the nuance of hitting and swinging and being, <clears throat> ha- just having sheer will to figure out how to hit a ball in a way that it gives you the best margin for error. And I've said this at length in my life. When you and I started down the swing change path, my only goal was to get more hits, to to feel like a more dangerous hitter in the sense that I could do more stuff to more things, right? It wasn't see how far you could hit it. It wasn't make it faster. I went through a life-altering just completely take me down a different road because I made a decision that what I was doing wasn't good enough to play where I wanted to play or get allowed into the, 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 the cool kids game at the playground. And in order to do that, I had to produce at a level that was pretty unconscious. And I think we, we lose sight of that because we're too accepting of the bad results were too accepting of ah well it's just another out it's just an it's just an out the the season a season for a hitter is this like accumulation of moments and that accumulation of moments is rooted in you use the word discipline consistency because the way you go about one at bat 
has to stay the same and be completely different all at the same time based on what you're encountering, what your what your challenge is in that any given moment. And that's the part that I think gets just thrown out the window a little bit. And it's not again, it's I don't even think it's on it's intentional or on purpose. And it's probably not as bad as we make it out to be in society because, you know, silent majority and a loud minority of things that happen where we happen to see the thing that bothers us on Twitter, on social media, right? Like, does it, do you feel that? Things are top of mind will get your attention for sure. Well, and I think that happen, That tends to be, <coughs> sorry, I coughed and I didn't mute. That tends to be how we, how we perceive the world to be thinking. And then what happens is because there's so much dialogue, right? There's so much back and forth and so much exposure and like things get brought to our attention that maybe necessarily wouldn't if it wasn't right in our front of our face, right? If we didn't have access to everybody's opinion right in front of us. So I like to think that we have a chance to deliver really good messages. It just takes a little bit more, and, and this has been true forever. It takes a little bit more of a, a person who wants to get past the surface to really explore the, the truths of things, right? You have to want to get past the surface level of, of whatever you're breaking down, dissecting, paying attention to, etc. Yeah, it, it's just, yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go a couple layers deeper and just, you gotta want that. I, I strongly believe that the people that are gonna play baseball, they're gonna like baseball, they're gonna want to go deeper into those layers. And it's the, the duty of us and coaches and ambassadors of the game to provide that and to make a, at least offer it. We gotta at least try. Attract, yeah. attract the right people. Yeah. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, we, we kind of talked about this already. So watching his at-bats, um, it, one thing's very clear about O'Neill Cruz. He is an absolute freak. This dude can hit balls with the best of them. He's, what, 6'7". He's an, he's, a, he's an avatar. He, like him, Stanton, Judge, avatars. The thing that's also very clear about him when he's hitting is that he's trying to hit every pitch. He does not have an approach. He's swinging with the intent to hit everything that's thrown. And until he gets an approach that he he's going to be more selective about what he's hitting when he's hitting and and starting to think with the pitcher more he's going to he's just not going to hit for average he's not going to consistently produce he's going to be an easy out if he starts doing that if he gets any sort of discipline uh, like if Joey Gallo just hit every ball over the third base side dugout for a month and reshifted his brain he might become a different hitter so very excited to watch his career he's amazingly talented but game is lacking right now I had to get uh, I had to get my throat moistened up a little bit the, I hate and it's probably because I wasn't one of these guys I, I never was and so I hate guys that can do stuff but don't do it all the time and there's this there's, there's like a lack of urgency for a lot of young players now to fight and claw and scratch and and get to really becoming the best version of themselves. 
meaning from a consistency standpoint because the game is allowing them to be rewarded for just doing something really well and i guess it was true forever like they looked for the five tool player in scouting right or they look for guys that were toolsy in the draft and the way we're, we're even now cutting down to 20 rounds as opposed to having 50 it's way easier to sell the narrative that if a guy can do something really well then you can you can take a chance on them right or you can spend money on them or whatever because there's a quantifiable thing that you could say okay he does this really well because being great at our game is is about more than that right it's about the ability to do things that Nolan did the other night. It's about the ability to do things that Mike Trout does on a daily basis. The stuff that nobody pays attention to because Mike Trout just combines being a really good athlete with a dog. Like, he's just a dog because he wants to win. And because of that, he makes decisions in real time that allow him to say, okay, I'm not going to lose here. And I think that's the thing that, like upsets me a little bit right you have a 21 year old kid whatever he is that you know you're sitting in triple a hitting 240 and you're like pointing at your watch being like when is it you know is it time yet and you're that gets a ton of attention right like hey great like oh when is it time yeah you know you're an avatar i know you're an avatar and you're gonna get your time but it's like you still have to earn it you still have to go take it from somebody and Again, on a personal level, my career path was completely the opposite of that. I had to out-hit everybody by 30 points or 50 points or hit 15 more homers every year to even get paid attention to. And that's why I get super annoyed at the stuff that we glorify because it doesn't mean you're good at baseball. It just doesn't mean you're good at baseball. Sorry. You can't strike out 40% of the time and tell me you're good at baseball. You can't have a swing that only hits half the stuff and tell me you're good at baseball. It's just not It's just not what it is. Does he have a chance? Obviously, but the problem is when you... <laughs> I have to bribe my dogs all the time, right, with treats. Everybody has to incentivize their dogs to do things. How do you teach a dog a trick? You Well, you give him treats and, you know, you bribe him. You condition him to do it. Pavlov's dog, right? Ring the bell. He's going to come think there's food. When you give the, the, the young player food all the time when you promote them when they don't deserve it, then they think they're doing everything right. It's just natural, right? It's just, isn't it? Yeah, you gotta be careful about what you reward. Some guys hang around the big leagues that are never, they're, the vote of their salary and the vote of them having a roster spot tells them they're, they're not failing to the point that they need to make an adjustment. I watched a dude in Boston get called up hitting 190 in AAA. Like, how's that possible? How can you be hitting 190 and get called up? Uh, it's, it's, it's tough. What's O'Neill Cruz OPSing right now? 670, 660? I'll look it up. I think I have it up on my screen because I was looking at it when I got the show notes last night. OPS 678 in 2022. Like what what are we yeah, talking about? 678. Striking out 37% of the time. That's like, a lot. You want like you want 
You want to be a, a good lot. player? You want me to take you seriously? Start OPS in 800 all the time. They, they were saying about Xander Bogarts last night. He's like the only player in the big leagues to OPS over 850 the last four years in a row. That's a good player. For real? Yeah. He's having a really good year. Like yeah, but he doesn't have – he only has like 12 homers, so everybody's just like, ah, whatever. You have almost good 40 player. doubles. It's not even September 10th. He's got, I think, multiple hit games, eight eight games in a row. And guess what he did yesterday? Weird. The right side was wide open, or two days ago, the right side was wide open. 77 hopper to second base. Knock. Good for you. Good for you. And all the old school guys appreciate it because that's the way they had to learn how to play. The thing that's funny is when you get to the postseason, when you're not facing four and five starters, you're only facing one, twos, threes. And every guy in the bullpen's blowing it out. You need. I, I just think that the guys like that can compete best against best competition. That's why I think the Dodgers. I've I've watched a bunch of their games, top to bottom. Their lineup is the toughest out in baseball that I've seen. And it's just obvious. You every guy from a game planning standpoint, it looks like they all have a plan. It looks like they have a team-wide approach to the pitcher, but kind of tailored to the individual. Like, they know what pitch they're trying to hit. And everybody grinds. And then you watch some other teams, and four or five hitters are just automatic outs. That they, If the pitcher executes whatsoever, they have no chance. They have no, they have no chance. And they're not making adjustments to, to, to the way the pitcher gets people out. Is that a weird thing to say? Like the way pitchers create strikes and the way pitchers get people out, they don't. It's like they they don't respond to that whatsoever. They just swing the way they swing because that's how they swing. And maybe they match up well against a pitcher. Maybe they don't. But if the pitcher's got a plan, they have no chance. It's just baffling to me to watch major league games and see guys just have zero chance to get like <laughs> to consistently do damage. To consistently have a chance to. Not making out. Carson Smith was one of the best closers in baseball in 2015. He had like a .7. And I'll never forget. And he's nasty, dude. Like he was nasty, whatever you want to call it. Like power sinker, bowling ball, 97, 98. Slider, like just comes out the same tunnel, whatever you want to call it. Looks exactly the same until it's halfway to home plate and then it goes the other direction. And I watched the 2015 Blue Jays put together and he I don't think he'd given up more than a run in an inning all year and all of a sudden this guy couldn't get us out now I'm gonna <laughs> let you know we had a tip on him right this is how he went into the glove but I watch guys completely change their approach I watch Jose Batista hit a ringing double down the right field line ringing laser over the first baseman's head he couldn't do that if his life depended on it no offense Jose you're pretty good at hitting I have your bat in that rack right there. So, like, I think you're good. But, like, just completely out-of-character moment because the situation called for it. And the game is just a bunch of different situations, and it calls for different things at different times. When it gets to the 7th and later, it calls for different things on a, on a different basis because you just your margin for error is much smaller. You, you just get to a point, like, when the Patriots were down 28-3 to in the Super Bowl... Dante Hightower said it in the huddle and in, uh, in the thing. He said, 
no more my bads. Like no, like no more. Sorry, like no, because you have to be perfect at a certain point to give yourself a chance to win the game, right? And that's what great teams do over and over again. They they understand the situation. Like Walt Weiss said, they understand. He had, you have to understand the scoreboard. The scoreboard has to matter. The inning, the 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 number of strikes, the the outs, the the how many you chase in, what's what's required of this moment to create an opportunity for our team to win. The game's been about winning forever, and then like now we're just like ah, like, like even if you lose, if you win good every now and then, like you're you're, you're awesome. We don't celebrate 60 and 100 teams in the big leagues. We celebrate teams that win 100 games. We celebrate teams that win World Series. You have to be you have to be cut out of a certain cloth to be able to do that. And I, it, it's not it's it's a learned skill. Like it's something you can acquire. It's not you. Oh, you're just born with it. Like it, it, I posted, we posted that thing on our social media about I, I wrote about my favorite at bats from 2015, and they were like the most innocuous hits of all time. One was in the third inning, one was in the fifth inning when we were down like eight. But those were the hits that like helped me recognize that I belonged and that I was prepared for those moments. Like a, a floating single over the first baseman's head that drives in a run. Uh well, <clears throat> there's there's things that happen and this this I've said this many times, the thing that I always appreciate the most as a coach is when a player flips a switch, when they decide they're going to pay attention every rep, that they're going to not go through the motions, that everything has a purpose. Arenado had a bad year last year. The Cardinals lost the division by five games. He was probably pissed off going to the offseason. You put up numbers for six years in independent ball, and then you hurt your thumb, and you were like, I, something's got to change. If this if if I can hit well for six years and nothing happens, I got to do something different. <coughs> everybody, and I should say everybody, at some point there's going to be a decision to make about, like I said earlier, either, who are you going to be? Who? What is your mission with the game? And if it's to be the best that you can be. If it's then you're going to start making sacrifices. You're going to start making decisions that reflect that, and it's going to be incredibly obvious to everybody around you. And it's okay. There's no way around it. It's okay to be egotistical and narcissistic about it. Like my favorite thing that Jeter said in the captain had everything to do with I wanted to tell people I told you so. I lived off I told you so, and let's just call a spade a spade. It's never quite as rewarding as you think it's going to be in the sense that you don't get to get in the guy's face and go, ah, again, and publicly shame them. Cause people generally when they're wrong, they just go into their, into their cave. But let me tell you something. There's no better feeling than sitting like laying in your bed or being at home and knowing that you proved everybody that ever doubted you wrong, whether they know it or not, it's, it's irrelevant. Like it's, there's no better feeling in the world. You know how many times I, people in my hometown didn't give me any credit. People at my college didn't give me any credit for the fact that they thought I was able or capable of doing what I did. And there's so much satisfaction thinking back to those days when I was getting made fun of in middle school or high school or some girl at a party in college told me that I couldn't do it or that I, I you know, oh, you're the guy that thinks he's going to play and thinks he's going to get drafted or thinks he's going to you know get to the big leagues or whatever it was 
But those moments stand out in my mind because I was like, thank you, may I have another? And I want to thank all those people. I really do. I want to say thank you. Because if you didn't challenge me, I wouldn't have been great. And now yeah. eat all your words. Go ahead. Be my guest. Uh, next topic. Tristan, is it Cassis? Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Tristan Cassis made headlines for his MLB debut by going out to the field and catching some rays. He's tanning out in right field. Uh this is an interesting one because in today's climate, you should people are being embraced for being different and like you have to support them for being different and it's uh frowned upon to call people out on their individuality, I guess. What would happen if you had what would happen what would have happened if you went out down the right field line before your major league debut and popped the top off and laid down in the grass? <laughs> Just I think I would have got sent I would have got sent down before the game. They would have sent they would have <laughs> out and <laughs> doing it. Like the thought of doing like doing that in like a high school game or a college game even is so laughable to me. But I oh I a, a part of me respects it so much that he had the confidence to do that. And like, yeah, this is my routine. There was an article about Adam Adovino and doing grounding and he would walk around the outfield barefoot. If this is what he does, tell you what, if if you hit three fifty in the show you could have fungus on your sandals. Yeah. Nobody will care. It's listen, dude. Ninety percent of it is like believing that you're okay to do it. As long as you can deal with what people say and think about it. Like when Juan Soto came up when he was 11 to the big leagues and was like staring pitchers down after takes and like doing butt wiggles in the box, everybody's like, dude, this guy who's like, what are we doing? And then now he's like a generational talent. I I mean, I, I think it's a prerequisite to be nasty to do any of those things just from a, from a sheer acceptance standpoint, right? <laughs> The verdict's Apparently still he out. Did this, he did this all in AAA. He yeah. did this in the minor leagues. This is just, this is his routine. He goes out. Sure, that's pop, great. Pops the top, and he gets the, he catches rays. The verdict's still out on Cassis, right? Like we, I live in New England, so I I I've been a part of this. Like, oh, when is it Cassis time? When is it Cass time? I'm like, the guy's fine. He's he's probably gonna be okay. Like he didn't hit 386 with 42 homers in AAA. Like he he just. He was okay. Like he, he was fine. Like the verdict's still out. If you feel confident enough to walk around bare chested and do sun stretches, be my guest. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I would definitely judge you. We're I, and let's be clear, we're all judging everyone on any given moment. So, I, yeah, I'm judging, and I, I'm like, it's it's the whole don't give anybody a reason, right? Like, if you're cool with like getting your balls busted or getting made fun of whatever you want to call it like in the clubhouse and yeah just act a fool like be whatever do anything i don't it does i don't even care but if if that's going to affect you in any way shape or form you're maybe going to want to avoid that moment in your in your life i if i need the why like we should probably try to get him on the show and ask him like why what like what you know it's is it a, yoga a, is it zen so i i think you have enough contacts to be able to get that that question answered i mean routine is routine if if the, if it's like a yoga whatever maybe go out to like the park in boston and not fenway park maybe 
head down by Not the Fenway Charles, Park. <laughs> head down to the Charles River and get in, uh, and maybe get your do it in Boston Common. Yeah, do it do it in Boston <laughs> Common, kid. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm off it. I got let's just be clear. I'm off it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm the not, commentary I'm not gonna change on Twitter. My mind. Commentary on Twitter was pretty interesting. The yeah. Middlebrooks and Plouffe were like, "It's a different game, man." Like, yeah, that ain't it. <laughs> doing that in 2002, you, let alone you like a, before that. You weren't allowed to do it, dude. Like you just could, like you couldn't, you couldn't get away with stuff. I, but then you hear you hear stories. I've heard stories about teams that are slumping doing some funny stuff pre-social media like i've heard stories of like a naked bp where one guy just rolls out and takes a nude batting practice like with the team and acts like nothing's wrong bro i i caught shit for wearing a camo elbow guard one time it was a gray and white camo elbow guard in 2013 gray and white like if like if gronk did this if this is the gronk effect and he just he's gonna he can do whatever he wants maybe he's the baseball the red sox gronk yeah, I'm gonna need the persona to match the action, right? It, 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 they always like they say Gronk can get away with anything. Shout out Gronk, jerseys right there, right, sorry, right over my left shoulder. Um, he could get away with it because it was authentic. It was on. It was in in character. It was on point. It was. That's him. Yeah, like when when you do things that are that are on on character and and they bring other people joy. And oh, by the way, and then you come with it. Do whatever you want, dude. Show up to park at seven o two. It doesn't matter. Like it, but it better be on brand and authentic and just like part of who you are. Because if it's not, then it's eyewash. It's bullshit. Like somebody needs to get him a rooftop. Somebody needs to get him a rooftop uh, balcony or something to sit on pregame, or the whole team needs to just go out and do it. Like when he goes out, the whole team goes out. Bring us some lounge chairs. We can get some sponsorships. Yeah, this could be a thing. That's uh, that's the if they were if they were in the playoff if they were in the wild card race for real, it'd be amazing if they all just started going out and tanning before the game. Yeah, well, it's like again, what's what's the we would make a shirt that says teams that teams that tan together win together. (laughs) In in Boston, Millar made it. They were the idiots. You know the long hair, the beards. It, again, if it's on brand, and it it has to drive, the action has to drive performance, right? Whether it's on a team level or on an individual level. Now here's nothing, the challenge. Nothing stopped him. Nothing stopped him from doing this. His whole climb up to the minor leagues, which is interesting. But here's the challenge, right? When when the and this is i think a a good summation of what 2022 represents to me if the individual act enhances player performance or it's like part of their thing but it compromises the team thing or it compromises like the greater good then there's this like there's this back and forth between people where they're going oh well like and and that's the issue like generally like let's not forget we're playing a team sport where individuals get paid a lot of money so again what's what's your agenda and if the two agendas don't completely align that's where there's a there's a loss in translation that's where the discrepancy is that's where the the general problem comes from it's like like you don't think that this thing is good for the team like if it gets in the way if it impedes the team 
goals, then it's a problem. It's still a problem. So you're, as an individual, you have to adapt. Because baseball is a, there's there's no I in team, but there's a me. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, in general, I, I really, if he's going out there, like, really early, if he's getting there at 11 for a, a 7 o'clock game, and he's going out there and just kind of getting himself in the right mind space for the day, like, he's not, he's not hurting anybody. But it's, if it becomes a distraction, if he's getting known as the, the guy who tans but can't hit, then you might have to readjust. If yeah. nobody posted about it, if we didn't know about it, nobody would be talking about it. But somebody posted a picture on social media, yeah. and one thing leads to another. Because somebody wanted some clicks. Because at the end of the day, I don't give they a shit about God. Tristan Cassis taking his shirt off. I could <laughs> care God. less. Like, I, Tristan, do be my guest. Do whatever you want. I was, I mean, I was afraid of what I was wearing to the field in independent ball, let alone take my shirt off on the field. <laughs> I was afraid I was gonna wear the wrong thing to the field. Like, can I wear yeah. a t? I can't wear a t-shirt. I gotta wear a button-down or a polo. I like so nervous. Uh, all right, post show. We got we got some. I think some good post show bangers. Pool, pool. Seven hundred homers. Seven hundred homer watch. He had another one last night. I think six ninety-five. He's got the rest of the month. Are we gonna they see gotta him play him against righties. They just gotta play him. Are they, are they not? They're not playing him against righties at all. He's like, he's been banging seventy percent abs right now. He pinch hit the homer yesterday was pinch hit against the lefty. And oh by the way, I got a text after it, and I didn't even know he went deep. Um, from a friend of the program being like, I was in tears. That's unbelievable, and it's pretty epic, you know, because the guy, you know, insider source told us. At the break, it sounded like he was done. The All Star Game was going to be his last game, and breaking breaking news because that hasn't been anywhere. Yeah, and that's like a true insight. Contem- contemplating retirement at the All Star break, but mid season retirement. The the crazy thing is, and I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, is the, the and this goes hand in hand with the the anxieties and and stresses that baseball players deal with when they don't feel like they're capable of performing at the level that they normally perform at, right? And it ties into this whole existential crisis that is being a great baseball player. It's like, what is the reason? It goes back to Bobby Maggs' you got killed spider. Um, like, what's what's the root cause of the problem? Is it one thing? Is it multiple things? Albert, obviously, you know, physically, he's not the same player from just from a look at him standpoint right like he's carrying probably like 40 extra lbs that he didn't have when he was prime albert um he's not moving the same he's got a, his, he's got a heavy run about him yeah <laughs> his his, 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 mo- his jog around the bases is heavy his motivations right like the guy's a first ballot hall of famer like in his sleep right now right he could just like but you, you take on a different role oh and i was talking to peter gammons about this and he was mentioning, uh, yeah, I just said a big name, name That drop. was a name yeah. drop. Hard. This out of nowhere. We had about an hour just conversation. Casually, casually chatting with the Hall of Fame. And that's the stuff that Hall, gets me excited. Hall of Fame baseball insider. Hey, get this. I, it was me, Peter Gammons, and Joe Castiglione for like 20 minutes of the hour. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was telling the people I was with, I was like, this is the stuff that dreams are made of for me, right? If you ever told me I'd be in this conversation and be – respected by these two guys then you know my life mission complete right i bumped into peter at the airport one time in boston 
he was right in, he was right behind me in the security line. I was like, Peter, we've we've met before. Not sure if you remember me. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, told me he a story about myself. I'm like, how do you do yeah. this? Knows everything about Crazy. those guys. What well, he was mentioning, Chase Utley, and he said Chase Utley is one of his favorites of all time. And he said he was texting with Chase. And if you look at kind of how Albert's career's gone now, Chase didn't do it for quite as long. Wasn't necessarily as glorified as as Pujols, but a, still a really solid player. That's probably a probably a Hall of Famer, if I had to guess. Um, and he was saying how Chase, like later in his career, obviously became more of a part-time player and. It's so incredibly difficult to embrace those roles, right? And clearly Albert felt like he still wanted to play. And I don't think he necessarily felt like he wanted to play because he thought he was going to break any records or anything like that. Like 3,000 is a mark that matters. Certainly 700 would be one that matters too. But is there a difference if you finish at 702 or 716? Like 712? Like I... So there's, uh, I'll give you an analogy. So for marathon times, if you if you look at results for marathons, there's always a big cluster right before four hours, and then it like tails off, and there's always a cluster right at five hours, because having a milestone and, and achieving something that's kind of like a landmark status or like a yeah, it's a clean it's a clean number, so it yeah. it makes it different, and people can be motivated to hit that number so they'll push themselves through more pain they'll they'll fight through it more just to get it just to hit that number i i mean i would love i, I would hate to see him be like 698 yeah does he well, come back does he come back he's, no. he's, he, he's having a pretty solid year well what looks like what, he's having fun what peter was really saying to me that made sense about is was it, like he just embraced like the role whatever role whatever thing he and it allowed him i think to be productive for longer a guy like Pujols and, and that transition <laughs> happened for Ali pretty clean like nobody was like oh you know Utley's no longer Utley he went to a, a, a team like the Dodgers who was doing some more you know weird wonky matchup stuff with guys that were perennial like all-star type players and to watch Pujols have to go to that role I think that in and of itself Combine that with like lack of feel in his own swing, lack of movement, but then all of a sudden, now it looks like like something clicked, right? From uh, I know my body and I know my swing and I know the swing that this body needs to make, and all of a sudden you go, pow! I got something again. Reaffirming the fact that you can hit till you're 100 because it doesn't matter what your bat speed is, it doesn't matter what your physicality is. You're just seeing a guy who's playing with confidence, motivation, incentives, and really is is just bringing us all back to you know a place where we we love the game. And you know what really really annoys the shit out of me about this whole thing is the fact that somebody could have the gall or audacity to start like being like, oh, it's fishy that Pujols is just raking all of a sudden. That pisses me off in ways that like you can't even understand. And the fact that people can go to sleep at night doing that shit to other people and like trying to tarnish something like incredible about our game, it just fucking irritates me about our game and the, the way the world is now. Like, let this guy have his moment. He's earned it. Stop saying stupid shit. Stop it. 
Like, yeah, okay, I, might, what, I don't even care. Like, let it, like, this is incredible. Like, the guy's unbelievable. Yeah, that, that article is very, very bad taste. It's just wildly unnecessary and just, like, what good will come, what good would come of that? Just, it's a Clicks. lose-lose situation. Clicks. That's the only good that comes out of it. Because yeah. people, people want to hate, man. Like, it's... The, you're almost like you're like in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation in the world now. Where if you're like, if you're doing incredible get, stuff, yeah. somebody's always calling you into question, and it's like, who, who's, what the hell are we doing? Like, why do we want to rip people down? I always just go back and forth on whether or not to draw attention to stuff like that and point out that it's negative, or to just not give it energy. And I get, I'm, I always get torn about that. Sometimes I use the word earlier. Sometimes I get a little snarky, and I want to calls people out and most of the time I just if I most of the tweets that I I type out I just delete and don't don't send because it's just a there's no point there's well, it's, it's not gonna it's not gonna generate anything good so I just ignore it it's it, I, I I hope it's pissing me <coughs> off more than it's pissing Albert off because and clearly it is so I just I, I love that he's having fun um, I think he can embrace the role if, like did you see him the other night? Uh, Newt Bar hit a, a homer, came back to the dugout, pulls like bear hugging him and like giving him noogies and stuff. Like yeah. he's having, it looks like he's having so much fun playing baseball. And I think when he went to Anaheim, it that was like a business move, that he got paid. He had the, the ten year post gate post career contract. It was like a million dollars a year for ten years. And Anaheim wasn't him. Like he's a cardinal. He's he's a St. Louis guy and. To see him there having fun, I just love it. That's well, awesome. it would have been it'd be nice to see more guys go wire to wire, and that's why the Red Sox should sign Xander back. And they're the things that like make Stories. these are the tradi- these are the tradition things, man. That like you change if you change something, you might start changing everything, and before you know it, you lose. You know, it's the people that say they want to romanticize over the game or base. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Well, it's, it's like people are making it hard to be romantic, man. Like that's that's like the nostalgia. It's the sit at the park and you know the smells. Joey Votto was in the press box the other day talking about the smell <laughs> of the grass and the he was full Votto. Yeah, full Votto. I love. But it. it was incredible. Like it, I mean, he's like it's the nostalgia, dude. Like you can. And he's eat talking a hot about how different fan bases. Yeah. yeah. How the different fan bases are are unique and everything. No, he's. I don't think he's wrong. I, you know how you fall in love with baseball, but you know how you fall in love with baseball. You go to a game for no reason other than like it's a social place to be, and then you fall in love with baseball. You don't like you're not born like loving infield flies and fucking pickoffs and rundowns. Like it's just not what it is. Oh, like the. The nuance of a 10-pitch, 3-2 at bat. And I've cursed a lot this episode, by the way. I'm surprised I'm oh, not getting yeah. yelled at. And But it's I'm heated, I guess. It's. I said we the, had a lively show today. I just don't I, I don't like swearing on the internet, personally. But keep I going. don't either, but I love it. Whatever. I don't, I'm, I'm over it. Uh, maybe we'll bleep it. But you, the cutoffs and relays are brutal. Bunt defenses are brutal. Like, like even defensive work when it's team defense at the field and the outfielders have to run the bases and it sucks it's terrible until it matters until it matters right like 
the one play in the year where you work on something 10 times or 20 times and then it matters because it it just plays into the chess match that is the whole game and that's that's what you fall in love with over time about the game is it 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 makes your brain go crazy until you have this like aha moment that just allows you to have a a different competitive advantage the 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 play that i made in the postseason right the the double play that i talked about that play for six hours before it happened three years before it happened and it was the only reason i was able to make it and then you just have this just yeah sheer satisfaction of it that's that's where the beauty in our game lies to me man it's chooses us dude chooses us gunner henderson homer in his major league debut lettuce everywhere helmet fell off got to circle the bases without a helmet for his first career thoughts on that nice go ahead another one yeah Um, good flow Hit another Carson one. Carson Cross, New Hampshire guy, Carson Cross was, I believe, working for the Brewers at the time and needed to game plan against him and said that he was one of the toughest guys in my leagues to game plan against. So I like reading stuff like that from the pitching side, so I'm excited to follow him. And the Orioles in general, like, way to go. Nice job, guys. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're making You're a push. not the it's Orioles great. anymore. It's great. The yeah. Orioles are no longer the Orioles. I just I love I love when fan bases get up for their team, and it seems like Camden's starting to rock a little bit. Well, I think it's and I've never I've never been there, but I've heard it's the best place to watch a game. Camden's cool. I liked it better when the left field wall wasn't so far away. Um, yeah, well, they just went too far. They need to just bring it back in a little bit. Maybe yeah. keep the height, just like add more seats. Yeah, I Maybe like five I, more rows of seats. You know what's funny is like I feel like the Indians are the only team in the world that no matter how good they are they can't get fans. Because, so we were just talking about how or we earlier we were talking about how the Dodgers are doing amazing things. The Dodgers also have their media team and the way they tell stories when guys get called up and yeah it's the Guardians now we just got a note there we can't say that we can't say the other word. <laughs> but the Dodgers do a great job telling stories. The Adley Rushman, 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 him getting called up and they're they're just off to the races. There's a story happening. Cleveland is the most Magoo, just kind of we exist. We it's almost like Tampa Bay. They just have good teams. There's no personality. It's kind of just like guys on a field playing baseball, and there's not yeah, much and, to get behind. And then there's no every story time, to rally. Every time you have a good player after. Two to three years. He gone, except for Jose Which, what Ramirez. Is but what does that do? But he took a huge discount because he just exactly. didn't want to move. Yeah. So, what does that tell your fan base? Like Oakland A's, how they have some crazy fans that are I love, and I I say that in a with admiration that they're crazy fans, but they're yeah, they're like Italian crazy fans. soccer fans. Yeah, they have yeah, they're it's, they're <laughs> they embrace the. We've been using the word wonky a lot, the wonkiness of that franchise. Yeah. The Indians, they when you ship out your best player all the time. They're the Guardians. You, you, you just told me I'm not allowed to ah. say it. <laughs> well, historically, it was the Indians that did it. Now the Guardians are going to – I have the Guardians that I in. But they just ship out their best player. They don't retain their talent. And if Cal Ripken wasn't a Baltimore Oriole for his whole career, if he when he got the free agency, they let him go. 
the fan base would get pissed. Yeah. It's just they it's you're kicking members of your family out and then their fans are looking around saying why why should I care if they don't care? Yeah. It's not a good thing. Not a there's good thing. nothing there's nothing to vest in, man. People vest in people and and yeah. then they vest in the in the logo, <clears throat> right? Like you vest in people right. first. Yeah. Cuz what does that what does that logo mean to them when they you know if if people are out wearing your jersey or wearing jerseys and they got the name on the back, that's when you got things going. Uh, Munataka Murakami. Muri Murakami. Sorry, I'm I'm so bad at words that I don't know how to say. 51 homers since uh, first hit 51 homers since 85 in Japan. He's 22 years old. I think he's got some Sadaharu O in his swing from a barrel setup, and he doesn't get up and hang the way that. O did, but he's got. I mean, he's got. He's got actions. Is he gonna? You think he's gonna show up in the states? Is that? He's young. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on. I think it depends on, the the individual, right? Because you can certainly make a nice living in Japan nowadays, um, playing baseball. It's uh, it's just a matter of where you stand on the the personal spectrum of of wanting to be challenged and and trying new things like. I used to say this about winter ball. You got to be ready to embrace another culture, right? Because you're nor it just gets so far away from your normal. And if you're excited about it and you're ready to to, to challenge yourself, because you just have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. It's it's uncomfortable to go to a place where you don't speak the language and just lifestyles different, circumstances are different. So it's, I mean, it's up to him. I think at this point, like you hit 50 bombs anywhere, you're probably going to get a chance to play some wherever you want. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I think I'm always curious to see. I, I love Shohei has really embraced Americanism. Um, I think probably more than most Asian players have, and it helps that he's become arguably the face of the game. Um, probably because he's done something that nobody's ever done before um and he's a, he's like a big personality too right kawa was a big personality same very similar um doesn't shy away from attention or media or spotlight where you know in a deferential culture like the far east a lot of guys do so it, it just depends on the it depends on the person and i think if you can embrace it you know, we had the the likes of Hiroki Kuroda, Hideki Matsui, Hideo Nomo, um, uh, like all these guys that came over that seemed to be, they were more the, the guys that didn't want the spotlight. And maybe we didn't get to know them well enough as a society. Um, maybe we didn't take the time or care to, or just maybe that's who they were and they, they chose to do it that way. Um, I really, really like when guys can come over and be that bigger personality because it, it 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 humanizes them right and i think that's why the shohei has become pretty infectious did, did you he's got a lot of funny facial reactions did you see the one he uh it was, somebody threw a hundred mile an hour sinker to him and he looked out at the scoreboard and was like whoa <laughs> it was yeah. you think he was he's thinking like, like this, is this what it's like to hit against me <laughs> Well, pitching ninja, he just he just started throwing a sinker, and 
Pigeon Ninja did a funny video where it showed him seeing the 100 mile hour sinker being like, whoa, that was tough. And then like two weeks later, the whole, the, the, is that the SpongeBob meme? Two weeks later, he's throwing a nasty like 22 inch run sinker at 100. So that dude's, I mean, talented like crazy. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of hitting a bunch of homers, I need to shout out Courtney Hawkins. He's playing in the Atlantic League right now, former first rounder. Currently has 44 home runs in the Atlantic League through 427 at-bats. I've been doing my reach out to different teams. This dude needs another chance. He's putting it together. Uh, shout out to him. He's got a homer, one one homer per 9.7 at-bats. To put that in perspective, Aaron Judge has 53 homers, 481 at-bats, 9.07 at-bats per homer. To put that in perspective, when Barry Bonds hit 73, he did that in 476 at-bats which was a homer every 6.5 at-bats, which is absolutely absurd. But shout-out to Courtney. He's uh, Hawk. Hawk hits the ball as hard as anybody I've ever seen in my life. I would put him, if in the conversation of guys who hit the ball the hardest, it's got to be like the O'Neill Cruz, Stanton, Judge, Courtney Hawkins. He hits He's probably 1A, dude. It's I, loud. I'm, I've seen him on hit tracks, Cruz at 115. Cruz hey. just repping out 115 it's stupid it's just I want, it's so I want, loud i want hawk to know this and with all due respect and the love in the world i'm so glad nobody signed him yet because you get a chance to have a 50 homer season in the atlantic league like if they signed him when he had 26 you'd be like oh it was a 26 homer and 253 at bats or whatever Dude, no, break records, man. I, it was like the year I got called up to the biggest. I was like, wow, I could win the Triple Crown and Triple A. Dubious achievements categories. Yeah, I, I just, I've I've gotten to know Hawk a little bit over the past few years and just different conversations I had with him throughout the season. I think we, we've talked about that whole flipping the switch and having perspective and having a plan. I think he's doing that a lot better. Early in his career, strikeout was a big issue for him. Um Coming out of high school, going to pro ball, it's tough. He's still young enough. But guess He's what? The game, the game, power. The game, the game didn't reward him, and he made a choice to go. Okay, I'm gonna make it better, and that's. I mean, from a human standpoint, pretty incredible. And He's, I think uh, striking. From what kind of year he's having? Yeah, from an accountability standpoint. In terms of paying attention to the details, I've never been around another player who takes ownership of every detail the way that he does. Unbelievable! Like the first, the first time, first time I had a conversation with him because I grabbed his bat. I'm like, "What model is this?" He's like, "Oh, it's the head from this bat with the taper from this bat and the grip from this bat, and the wood is this cut from this billet." And I like every detail of his bat mattered to him. He's very and on purpose. It's, Let's it's, put it that way. Yes. Yeah. So, any uh, organizations out there listening, go ahead and look up his stat line. Give him a chance. He can do things, and he can do things that people in your organization can't. Facts. Blank. Those are just facts. Just, he's got he's got major league talent, and uh, needs an opportunity. So, and he probably won't take his shirt off at BP. Probably not. <laughs> We're so, dude, you know what's crazy is we celebrate like these dudes that are getting called up yeah. OPSing seven twelve, and like, oh my god, prospect! Like, dude, he's seven twelveing, and this guy's over here with a eleven hundred, twelve hundred, probably, and it's the Atlantic League. We're not talking about, not talking about high school. We're talking about practice. We're talking about the game. 
That's backwards. Yeah. Yeah, he's hitting 295 with 44 and 112 in uh, 113 games. 1,200? 1,200, probably. Uh, 1,100. It's uh, 1,048. He was yeah. 1,100 last year. 1,048, that's uh, a good number. I That, mean, that number means yeah. a lot to me. He's got 61 walks and 90, 61 walks and 91 strikeouts. So his ratio is improving. So he ratios. Yep. Hawk MVP. Well, it's just it's going it's it's tre- it's all trending in the right direction. And then the last two for the day, we've got milestone trackers, Judge shooting for 61 and the home run American League record, and then Paul Goldschmidt National League Triple Crown watch. I was shocked. I looked at the schedule before September. This is who the Yankees play. Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Boston, Milwaukee, two games against Pittsburgh, then Boston, Toronto, Baltimore. So every game except for two against playoff teams. And then they close out with a series against Texas. I was shocked that Tampa Bay allowed him to hit two home runs this weekend. They gave him pitches to even think about hitting. When nobody in that lineup is producing, nobody. So I like Welcome. stories. I, I like stories. He's having an awesome year. I hope he hits seventy-five homers. I, it, it'd be great. It'd be awesome for the game. I cannot believe he's getting pitched to hit, and he's got almost every game. He's got six games against non-playoff teams. That he should be intentionally walked fifty times this month. If there's ever a moment where the game is in question, you can't let him beat you. But we'll see what happens. He, he he snuck out two homers this weekend. Uh, he had three hits yesterday against Tampa Bay in a game that was two to one. A borderline must-win game because that would if Tampa won that game, it would have shrunk the lead to three. Yankees are in a tailspin. We'll see. Maybe maybe they needed to go through that adversity to bounce back and get their identity. I don't know what's going to happen, but they're uh, they're not going the right direction. Hey. That's why they play the game. That's I, I was just somebody else got a hit. I was I was gonna, I was waiting for something so non-impactful to say right there, and I did it. Yeah, and then uh, Goldschmidt is hitting three thirty-one with thirty-four and one hundred seven. I mean, having a really solid year from a league standpoint. I don't have the stats pulled up, but I know he's right there in all categories. Does Schwarber hit another homer? Is he pulling up the leaders? I think 331's in lead. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, the 104 I think is Al- close. I think Alonzo is right there with. Uh, yeah. Alonzo's got a ton of stakes. I need National League. All right. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Just, I need fan graphs to, to work. All right. So if we go batting average. Paul Schmidt is 331. Freddie Freeman is 322. Home runs. Austin Riley has 35. I didn't realize he was snuck up there. Mookie Betts has 33. Set a career record. Schwarber has 36. So all right there. And then from an RBI standpoint, Mookie has 104 for Mookie. In the leadoff hole. Tell you what, Mookie, Mookie had a slow start, and he's been pretty good. Lately, Marcus so good at baseball. Uh, ninety-seven. I thought, I thought I saw New York Mets. Where's uh, 
Alonzo. I thought Alonzo had more for some reason. Oh, he's got 106 RBI. I was on runs. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That was runs. Mookie's, Mookie's leading the league in runs, not RBI. Goldschmidt's leading with uh, with RBI at 107. Alonzo at 106. Trey Turner's next at 90. So it's two-man race for RBI. Freeman is going to keep hitting. So that's the batting average one. And then for homers, we've got Alonzo, Mookie, Riley, Schwarber. He could do it. He could do it. I haven't looked at their schedule to see who they're playing, but he's got protection in that lineup. They're winning. He's going to keep contributing, I would imagine. So we'll see. Yeah, do cool things. We'll see. He's a good player. He's a good player having a good year. It's like uh, like between him and Arenado, and then you've got some other younger guys. It's funny how some guys were doing well early and they were getting a bunch of pub and a lot of people were retweeting their names and now they're not doing as well and now they're not getting retweeted. So it's funny how that happens. But uh, marketing. Whoops. Yep. On that note, Pickles out.